Canada, our home and native land. Are you guys pumped? Because it's 2022 and we are heading back for the first time in three years. We are heading back to Canada for the Canadian Grand Prix. I am so piped. This is one of my favorite races. I've marked it on the calendar. I was hoping that it would be here this year. Thankfully, we've solved a lot of the COVID issues and we're getting Grand Prix racing at the Circuit de Juvenilve in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. I am excited. I'm hoping that this layout, you know, we have drivers that haven't been here before. We have drivers that haven't raced here in three years. Maybe, just maybe, we'll get some surprises. I've been getting myself pumped all week for this race. I rewatched one of my favorite races because one of my favorite all-time F1 drivers, part of my cultural heritage as well, Robert Kubica, Winning in the 2008 Canadian Grand Prix. Such an emotional moment when it happened. Felt the same emotion watching it again. Truly epic. One of the favorite races of all time. And of course, that was after he had crashed at Canada too. With his epic rollover. And most people probably thought he was severely injured. Thankfully, he was not. But yeah, Robert Kubica, 2008 Grand Prix. One of my favorite races of all time. And I just love... This circuit, I think that this Grand Prix weekend could be one of the good ones. I hope it is. I I I hate setting my expectations high for races. I had my expectations set high for Baku, and it ultimately disappointed me. But you never know. We have drivers that haven't been here in a while. We have new drivers. It is amazing how much the Formula One landscape has truly changed since 2019. Just the driver changes, the different team changes. It's just truly crazy when you think about it. And I was looking at some of the names and liveries and drivers and just everything going on in 2019. And I was like, that was not that long ago, but it feels so long ago. It's like, it felt like it's been ages, but it really hasn't. And I don't know. I'm just excited for this 2022 Canadian Grand Prix. I think it's going to be hype. And I hope you guys are excited too. I don't know where you're listening to this or when, but... I'm recording this on a Thursday night in the United States, knowing that in a few short hours, well, maybe like 12, that's a few long hours, I guess, but in not that short of amount of time, we're going to have cars back on the track for FP1, and it's going to be hype. It's going to be exciting. I'm truly pumped to see what happens in this race, but let's get started with the big news of the day. So one of the things that had been a major issue has been, and I'm going to say this right because I always say purposing has been porpoising porpoising has been the f1 buzzword this year it's i bet you can make a a compilation of just the times the commentary booth or podcasters or whoever you listen to has used the word porpoising since the start of the season since testing really and it's a major issue it's become a major issue we can see it i was talking on monday right how we can not only can you see it But when you have those in-car shots, you can hear it. It just sounds brutal. Obviously, there has been debate over who's responsible for mitigating porpoising. Is it the teams? Should it be the FIA? Is it something that is technically a failure on an engineering side? Or is it something that the FIA should really step in and look to fixing? So it's been a major debate. A lot of people have 
been critical of this FIA intervening, Max Verstappen being one of them. One of his opinions being that basically it shouldn't be the FIA's job to put regulations on something like this. And he said basically that he doesn't think it's right that there is a directive, a technical directive that could impact certain teams in the middle of the season. And even if Red Bull might reap the benefits of this, he didn't feel that way, that this is a fair rule. And people have debated it. I do think that something had to be done because just thinking if Lewis Hamilton's back problems, he said he wasn't exaggerating. Daniel Ricciardo said he wasn't. It's evident that if you've seen how low an F1 driver sits, they are pretty much on the floor. So every time that car is bouncing, they are feeling it and it is hurting them. I can only imagine what that feels like. I mean, just think you're on a you're on a roller coaster going 200 miles an hour. That's basically and you're bumping all the time and your head's getting rattled and you have to drive in a manner that's safe. So I do get why the FIE imposed restrictions. So basically they're going to be taking a look at closer scrutiny of the planks and skids both in terms of their design and their observed wear. They're going to define a metric that will basically, I guess, measure the oscillation of the car. I'm no technical expert, but it sounds like the FIA is going in the proper direction here. The question is, will this help mitigate porpoising? Will this change the pecking order? Are we going to see differences with teams now? Is it going to create some severe challenges for some teams? I don't know, but... I guess it's good that the FIA is doing something. They're acting on it, even if it did take numerous driver complaints. And even if it's going to be controversial. But clearly, this is an issue that does, I think, have some health and safety implications. So it is good that they are making this change and that they are attempting to correct an issue that, yes, should be responsible for the team. But again, if you tell... An F1 driver, this is going to make your car go fast. You might have to deal with some bouncing. I bet you nine times out of ten, that driver is going to say, all right, just let me go fast. I'll deal with it. But at some point, it's going to become too much. So I don't know if we'll see anybody change. Is Mercedes going to be negatively affected by this? There have only been a few teams with limited porpoising. So maybe those teams that have it will be faster. Adding to the surprises this race weekend, I don't know. But... Definitely interesting to keep an eye on. And I guess we'll get that first look at that tomorrow at FP1. We'll see what teams are experimenting with, what they look like speed-wise in practice, what mitigation factors they've tried to solve, whether it compromises their setup. It'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, that was the big news of the day, basically being that, yeah, porpoising is getting taken care of, and it's coming down with technical regulations. So, other news not Canadian Grand Prix related, South Africa, Kailami, looks like it's going to be back on the calendar, which I think I talked about this before. I think I wrote about it, actually. If there is an area of the world that's deserving of a Grand Prix race, it is definitely the African continent. We don't have any races there, and it's a market that should be brought into Formula One. Formula One has been all about encouraging diversity, encouraging uh, people from different areas to participate in this sport. And I think South Africa is the right place to start. Kailami is a track that has been beloved by many. 
I hope it's good for racing. I don't know if it's a little narrow. I don't know if they can widen it a little. It's been a while since Formula One has raced there. But would be cool to see cars back there. Now, the big question is what gets sacrificed. And the two tracks that have been in the rumor mill of getting sacrificed. And I think one we probably can live with. The other one I can't. So the one that's going to supposedly the two that are on the chopping block is uh, Circuit du Pobrecard. Uh, my French accent is terrible. I apologize. And uh, Spa. Now, if you ask any normal F1 fan, I think any normal F1 fan would say Spa has to stay on the calendar. Spa's a great track. It's got that variation of corners. It's got high-speed corners. It's got good racing. Usually Spa is a great race weekend, except for last year because it was a mess. But... Ironically enough, the better one of the better races last year was in France at the Circuit du Pol Ricard. But I think many people can live without seeing France on the calendar. And I hope that if those are one of the two races that get eliminated, I hope it's France. I mean, no offense to my French brethren and sisterin. I guess you would say sisterin. I don't know what you would say there. But my French brothers and sisters, I can live without France on the calendar and I'm sorry if that offends anybody but it's just it's not a great track there haven't been with the exception of last year there haven't been too many memorable races at that circuit so yeah I'm kind of all right with France I would not be all right with Spa leaving the calendar that would be disappointing and I hope the FIA sticks or keeps sticks with Spa on the calendar I think that would be great other major news so I kind of mentioned this on Monday, but it was a little bummer, too, because we saw Oscar Piastri, like, hinting at Silverstone. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an FP1 with the Williams, isn't it? Or with Alpine. But no, 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 no. It was just a test at Silverstone and Alpine. But that's all right. But, yeah, some big, big F1 news. And it looks like poor Nicholas Latifi is going to be out of Formula 1 in 2023. Looks like Oscar Piastri will be in that Williams. Looks like that is going to have even further implications for Williams as they will drop their Mercedes power unit affiliation and move to a Renault power affiliation, which means Renault is back in business with another company. So, or another team, I guess I should say. But good for Oscar Piastri. He's well deserving of that seat. We could write an essay literally on why Oscar Piastri deserves that seat and why. He deserves a chance at the top of Formula One. Why he deserves a chance to be racing in Formula One. Why he has earned that opportunity. So, good to see Oscar Piastri in it, if if it is true. And it's going to be sad to see Nick Latifi out of Formula One. And I know people, there are a lot of Nick Latifi haters out there. And I get it. He is technically a paid driver. Yes, he hasn't been great. I still will defend that last year looked like this like last year was a good year for Nicholas Latifi and it looked like this year could have been his year to like just solidify that he belongs and unfortunately it hasn't worked out and he's never had the best car Williams has not been a great car maybe last year they had some flashes of brilliance they did have a quick car at times especially in qualifying and in a straight line but this year, that car is garbage. And with Yost Capito, we know he's not a patient guy. 
He's a results-driven guy. And Alex Albon is doing wonders with that car. And Nick Latifi just simply isn't. And I, again, I think Nick Latifi's great. You know what I would honestly like to see Nick Latifi in? And I don't know if people are going to agree with me or disagree, but just watching the little bits that are on uh, Formula One, YouTube and Formula One TV, Nick Latifi is really great at enunciating. And I think, and he's quite knowledgeable sometimes, maybe not so much with like champions and things like that, but I think Nick Latifi could make, don't criticize me here, don't crucify me here, but I do think Nick Latifi could make a good like host or commentary on Formula One. I think that would be a good job for him. And if he so decides to do that, then he should. But who knows what he might do. Who knows? I don't think he'll find his way back with a team there, unfortunately. there The teams are just stacked. Teams are filled up. And, again, Oscar Piastri is one of the many F2 drivers that deserve a ride. Or at least one of the many that deserve that opportunity. So, like I said, good for Oscar Piastri. Interesting to see Williams switching engine suppliers. That relationship with Mercedes, I guess, will come to an end. But... Definitely, definitely interesting to see the changes that are going to happen for 2023. Going into that, I read something even inch, even like more interesting. We've been talking about Haas. A lot of pressure has been put on Mick Schumacher for obvious reasons. I mean, he hasn't exactly performed up to expectations this year, I would say. And something I was reading that was kind of interesting was obviously Ferrari has significant control over Haas. And if Haas chooses or is looking to dump Mick Schumacher, it could open up a route for Antonio Giovinazzi to return. That'd be kind of interesting. Imagine if Haas became the team of F1 returners like Giovinazzi and Kevin Magnussen. And speaking of that, I kind of laughed too, speaking of Haas and people thinking they could return. Nikita Mazepin, man, why does this guy come up in the news? Like, all the time. I always just see... Him saying something random. He thinks he can make a comeback. Because Kevin Magnuson had done it. Now listen. There is a big difference when we're talking. Kevin Magnuson, the guy who has driven a multitude of different cars. Kevin Magnuson has driven an Indy car. He's driven in endurance racing. And he's driven in Formula 1. So I think Kevin Magnuson... If there's anybody that can make a comeback and stay sharp, it's Kevin Magnuson. Nikita Mazepin? Mm, I'm not really feeling that so much. So, Nikita, maybe stop criticizing people and just reflect and be a better man and do things better. I don't know. But, yeah, so imagine if that is true, which, again, I don't see Mick Schumacher getting replaced. I know he hasn't performed, but Haas is in some trouble, man. They can't even... Gunther Steiner was talking about how... They didn't even have the money to pay for spare parts. They they didn't even have that. They they haven't been able to make spare parts quick enough. Apparently at Baku, they only had one nose replacement. And they had to ship another one over so they would just have two for the race. That is very bad. That is a team that is just on edge, I can imagine. This, the poor stress Gunther must go through. Because, listen, you know Haas is like fighting at the bottom of the barrel just trying to scoop up whatever they can to be competitive week in and week out and accidents don't make things better poor strategy doesn't make things better it's just 
interesting to see the struggles Haas have been going through. And even with that struggle, they're not a slow car and they have potential. So, I mean, look at Baku. Kevin Magnussen probably, even after a bad qualifying effort, Kevin Magnussen, before the failure that he had, before the power unit failure he had, was in contention to finish in the points, possibly 10th, possibly 9th. But that's impressive for a team that did not look exactly quick that race weekend. So, yeah. Haas needs a little bit of luck. If there's a team that needs the summer break to come, it's probably Haas as well. So, yeah, that that's the big thing with Haas these days. And, again, I, I feel like Mick Schumacher isn't going to be replaced all of a sudden. But what I'm really looking forward to this race weekend is that midfield battle. The midfield is so tight. We could literally put basically every team but Williams, and then with the exception of Ferrari and Red Bull, every other team is a midfield team from Mercedes who are at the front, maybe on the fringes of the top all the way down to Aston Martin, who is probably, well, now they're not the slowest of the midfield. Probably. I mean, we're talking now between the Haases. It fluctuates on the track. I guess every race, it seems like it's track dependent. I just saw something funny too. Like McLaren can literally be one of the fastest cars in a race weekend or one of the slowest, depending on the track definitely like lando said it, it's a track dependent car it depends on what race weekend it is but the midfield is so tight and that's something i'm really anticipating on this race weekend is where is that midfield gonna fall what team is gonna emerge as the top my favorite of the midfield right now other than maybe mclaren and alpha Tauri. I'm liking what I'm seeing from Aston Martin. Supposedly, they have another big upgrade coming. But I liked what I saw out of Sebastian Vettel in Baku, which is a track that you need speed at. And Vettel looked good. That car, that Aston Martin, looked like it had some speed potential. And there were a lot of positives to take away from that. So maybe at a track where Seb is very familiar with, maybe they can, Aston Martin, emerge as the top of that midfield. Another team to that I've been loving this team since the beginning of the year and I think they have underperformed with the potential of their car maybe not getting set up right and that's Alpine I think they're a fast car I think they have one of the best driver lineups one of the most consistent driver lineups with Esteban and Fernando I I really do enjoy that team and the potential that team has if there was a team that is not Ferrari that's not Red Bull that's not Mercedes that has the potential to win a race I really do think it's Alpine I really think Fernando or Esteban can sneak out a win but they might need some chaos they might need some kind of weird thing to happen and I guess you could say maybe Alfa Romeo too could sneak in there but Alfa Romeo did not impress me at Baku but yeah that midfield is so interesting to see there's just so many little things going on And one of the other midfield teams that definitely appealed to me, McLaren, they had some weird issues on at Baku with Danny and Lando, but I don't think that's anything too major. I'm pretty sure that was all pretty self-explanatory. I think it's not so bad. I think that, you know, the drama there is a lot of manufactured drama, a lot of things that maybe people are looking into too much, but Canada would be a nice spot for Daniel Rick to have a good race. You know, it would be a nice area for him to really show off what he has and what he can do. And that I think there's true. I truly think there's still some 
there's still something left in you, Daniel Ricardo. Sound like uh, you know Mark Hamill in Star Wars. I, I've been watching Kenobi, so got me uh, hooked on thinking about that. But there's still some good in you, Daniel Ricardo. There is. I, I know it. I feel it. But I really do. I think I think Danny Rick is still there. I think that McLaren can handle it. I think McLaren can do it. And then Ferrari. Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. I don't think I'm even going to bother talking about Red Bull. Why should I talk about Red Bull this race weekend? We probably know what's going to happen. We know that Max Verstappen and Checo Perez are probably going to be 1-2, 1-3. The only drama that could possibly happen is maybe Checo gets ahead of Max this race weekend. I don't know, but I just feel like Red Bull is on a whole other level right now. And I'd be very surprised if they, if they were not in first. If they were not in one of the top three spots, both drivers, I would be shocked. That would be shocking for me. That would be a bad race. They are like the 2018, 2018, what am I doing? They're like the 2020 Mercedes, maybe even like the 2019 Mercedes. But yeah, Checo and Max are just on a whole nother level. And I would be shocked to see them in anything else, anything other than one and three barring some kind of reliability issue or accident or something like that or some bad luck in qualifying. But Ferrari. 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 Man, how a team has just botched it from being four races in and having command of this championship to just pain the last several races. Even when they were on the back foot at Monza, you kind of had the feeling that maybe they could still pull it off. But did I say Monza? I said Monza. I think I meant to say Imola. Um, even at Imola, you know, they still had the potential to do well. And, you know, we saw them at Imola this year just botch it. We've seen them in so many other places just botch it and not be the best they could be and the reliability issues and now Charles Leclerc looks like he's going to have to take a 10th place grid penalty so we could see him potentially starting at best at best 10th and I think we could end up seeing him start 13th maybe 12th but yeah it's going to be very very sad to see what happens with it and it's very frustrating because they should be better they should be better, but they just haven't. They just haven't had it, and it's been very frustrating to watch. It's been very annoying. It's been, oh, man, it's just like, come on. Can you just get it right one time? Just get it right one time, and they just didn't. They just botched it. So I don't know what's going to happen with Ferrari. Carlos Sainz needs a good race. Charlotte Claire just needs something consistent. And unfortunately, thankfully it's Canada where they're taking the grid penalty because anywhere else I would I would be really nervous about where they end up finishing. I don't think the Ferrari is like the Mercedes of last year or the Mercedes of the second half of last year where you could take a grid penalty and then power through the field. I just don't think it's going to be that simple. We've seen cars get really stuck up either with DRS being the way it is or... You know, with just traffic, maybe the cars are a little more competitive. I don't think Ferrari's just going to be able to power through the field. Yes, he will be able to make a lot of positions. And and plus, the other thing, too, is like starting in the back of the field, you're always at risk for getting caught up in somebody else's mess. And you're on the back foot of strategy. So, 
I don't know. I think this weekend's going to be a painful weekend for Mercedes as well. But yeah, I'm I'm hyped for the Canadian Grand Prix. Really excited to see what happens tomorrow. I'm going to be watching FP1, FP2 with great intent, and I can't wait for qualifying. The race is going to be such a vibe. So, you know, obviously being here in the States, the race is at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, which is nice. I'm not really quite happy with qualifying being so late. I'm not going to lie. I get used to the European-style schedule for the F1 season. I, I really do get used to it because so many races are on the other side of the world that I just get so used to it and I'm not ready for a qualifying at 4 p.m. I'm really, really not ready for that. And I know the track time is the same as my time, but I don't know. I just like sometimes it's it's a vibe really watching a race early in the morning. It's it's nice getting your day started with F1, but I'm going to make a whole day out of it Sunday. I'm off from work on Monday, so... Why not enjoy the race, right? Sunday's also Father's Day, so my dad's probably going to bring the TV outside when I come over. We'll watch the race. He doesn't know Formula 1 that well, but that's all right. I'll explain things to everybody watching. So I'm excited. Canadian Grand Prix. Get pumped. I want to make a bold prediction before I leave. So, again, this is my totally uninformed bold, but maybe not so bold prediction. All right, so I'm going to start with pole. Qualifying on the pole. It's going to be a rainy qualifying, right? And I'm going to go out on a limb here. Going to go out on a big limb here. And I'm going to say that starting in pole position is going to be the Alpine of Fernando Alonso. Yeah, I think it's going to be a wet weather qualifying. And I think Fernando's going to muscle that fast Alpine into a P1. And it will be epic and everybody will be hyped. It will be like what almost happened in Australia. But it's going to happen in Canada. I'm feeling it. And then the race itself. I think it's going to be a rather... I think it's going to disappoint me. I think I'm way too excited. And the race is going to disappoint me. So I'm going with a very old-fashioned, very boring prediction. I'm going to go with... Max Verstappen is going to get a win. I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz finishing second. He's going to have a good rebound race. And then... I'm going to say... That Sergio Perez is going to finish third. And then in fourth place will be George Russell. As every race has almost gone this year. Maybe we'll see some surprises. I'm I'm anticipating good races from Fernando. I'm anticipating a good race from Sebastian Vettel. So maybe those guys will be in the mix too. But that was my not-so-bold predictions for this week's Canadian Grand Prix. And that was my little preview for this year's 2022 Canadian Grand Prix. Thank you guys for very much. Thank you guys for very much. Thank you guys very much for listening to this podcast. And please feel free to give me a follow at f one on Twitter, at F1Idiots on Twitter, or our website, www.f1idiots.com. Thank you, and I will talk to you guys Sunday, hopefully, or at least maybe Monday morning, on all that was the 2022 Canadian Grand Prix. Thank you, and have a wonderful day race weekend.